How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. We're playing for the playoffs. They're playing for the lottery. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. Today's show is also brought to you by our Patreon sponsor and that is Charles Oakley. So thank you, Mr. Oakley. Take some time out of your busy schedule of getting ejected from Madison Square Garden to sponsor the show. And if you want to sponsor the show, head across to patreon.com slash redrock underscore b-ball. My name is Josh Lloyd, and you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Instagram is the same, and Facebook is Facebook.com slash RedRockBasketball. This podcast, of course, is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out the rest of the pods across the network. There was a great one of Locked On Bulls with Sean and Cody the other day speaking to Sam Smith, veteran Bulls reporter, speaking about Jerry Krause and lots of Michael Jordan anecdotes in there. So if you haven't checked that podcast out, I do highly recommend that you go and do that. We've obviously got a lot of stuff to talk about. There were 10 games on Friday. There are five games coming up on Saturday. So let's get to it. To it. All right. I will. That's a, that's a very, very, very good idea. Let's start with the monstrous line of the night. And I'm pretty sure you know who it is. Can you dig it? Dig it sucker. Sucker. Yes. It's Booker D. Devin Booker. Of the Phoenix Suns went, he don't need to go just monstrous. He went bananas, to be honest. 70 points is a ludicrous figure to be the sixth man in NBA history to have 70 points. You can give whatever criticisms you want to Booker that the Suns, you know, called timeouts that the Suns fouled in a game that was well out of hand in order to get him more shots and they gave him plenty of shots. But still, regardless of any sort of criticism like that, it's a ridiculous performance. And a man who's 20, he's not a man, he's a kid. He's hes 20 years old. He can't even go and have a celebratory beer after the game. And he drops 70 in NBA game is ludicrous. He is a, a very, very good player. A, no, he's a very, very good scorer. He's a work in progress as an NBA player in general. But as a scorer, he is fantastic. 70 points. But the thing about this game is, is it wasn't just 70 points. It wasn't one of those games that we've seen Booker have throughout the season where you know, it, it ends up looking fairly empty. Even go back a couple of games ago, you're nineteen three and two. Um, there's a game he had back here in January. We had twenty six one and two. It wasn't an empty game like that. This was chock full of goodies. Seventy points, eight rebounds, six assists, three steals, one block. He hit four triples. He was a massive boost from the field. Twenty one of forty from the field. And went to the line 26 times and hit 24 of them. So that is a massive, massive bump from Devin Booker. I have been critical of his shooting in the past, and I still remain critical of his shooting. He is not a good shooter. He is a below-average shooter in the NBA. This is a fantastic performance, and that's got nothing to do with anything that I've said about him this season or last season. He is a very good scorer. He is averaging almost 22 points a game this season, 23 points a game over the last two months. That is very good scoring. It's coming on pretty high volume, and again, it's below average with his with his shooting numbers. And even you can look at this game and go, that's... That's great. His four previous games, he'd shot under 35% from the field. So people do get carried away with big performances and think that they're big indicators of, of what's come in the past and what's going to come in the future. I saw, and this prompted me to tweet out today that the acronym GOAT is definitely overused. You know, Devin Booker, oh, Devin Booker, the GOAT, you know, no. No, no, nothing to do with Devin Booker, but the fact that you're using the term GOAT when you obviously have no idea what it means because there can obviously only be one greatest of all time. There is only one. There is not every single dickhead that comes into the league can't be a GOAT. I'm getting sidetracked. To actually predict this coming from Booker is impossible. As I said, the last four games, he shot 23%, 23%, 25%, 35%. He had 28 points in the previous game. The three before that, 
less than 20, 19, and then two games of 10 and 11. Really subpar performances. And this really came out of nowhere. He's been a poor rebounder all year. He gets eight. It's over double his season average. His assist numbers have been good, though. You have to grant him that. 3.2 assists per game. But you know, defensively, he gets the, the three steals when he's averaging under one a game. Really an out-of-the-blue performance. And you, you can't um, credit him enough. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not backing down from my comment that he's not a good shooter until he proves himself to be a good shooter. He is a good, a very, very good scorer for his age. And I'm aware that he is 20 years old. That's got nothing to do with it. He is a, an extremely good scorer. And... Needs a lot of work on other areas, of course. You know, massive work needed defensively. Massive work needed, um, you know, just ball movement wise. Massive work needed in his shooting. But he does take a lot of, takes a lot of hard shots. He takes a lot of terrible shots. Everything went right for him today. And it is absolutely fantastic performance from Devin Booker. The, the thing about this performance from Devin Booker is that over the last two weeks, he was the 130th ranked player. After this, He's the 35th ranked player. That's how impactful it was. In the last week, he was the 180th ranked player. He's now the 10th ranked player because he's averaging 36 points a game. And, and he's got his field goal percentage up to 42 when he was, uh, he was well down, uh, as I highlighted those th- four games in a row with under 35% shooting. And he'd been a guy that if you had looked at his past numbers for the last two weeks, you would have said, shit, oh, is it really worth me keeping him? And yes, because getting 20 points a game is always going to be worth it. But you could not have foreseen this coming. A huge night from Devin Booker. Um, it's confusing that it happened, again, based on what had been happening and the whole way that the Suns' offense changed. It had been Tyler Eulis really dominating the ball. He took four shots in this game. Just a, a weird change. But the weirdest thing to me in the entire game is you see Jared Dudley's snap, Snapchat of you know, Devin Booker with the score sheet and then the, the group photo of all the Suns and him holding it up with 70 on the back, you know, Wilt Chamberlain style. And there's Eric Bledsoe with no shirt on and a towel. Mate, you didn't play. You haven't played for weeks. Why are you after the game? All right, guys. Everyone, all right, in the shower. Let's go. Hey, Eric, mate. Um, you don't, you don't need to have a shower. You didn't, you didn't play. No, it's all right. Teamwork. Everyone in the showers. Quick, strip off. Like, what the hell's going on? And then Tyson Chandler's in there with no shirt on. What is going on? Now, I know Tyson Chandler, he, he was there. He, he was in uniform, so maybe he took it off. But why is Bledsoe wrapped in a towel? That's, that was weird to me. Was it weird to anybody else? Mate, look, I, I don't know. Was Bledsoe on the bench dressed in his uniform? I didn't I didn't see that. He might have been. I'm not sure. But why was he dressed in a towel? Why is he having a shower with the boys when he didn't play? I don't know. That was weird. It, 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 I don't know. It just struck me as very bizarre. Um, So he is, of course, your monstrous line of the night. And without much bother, he is the young gun of the night. That is the best... That is the highest score of any active NBA player. It, ridiculous. You know, higher than LeBron, higher than, higher than, uh, Mallow, higher than KD, higher than Steph. Nobody in the NBA has scored 70 points in a game. So big congratulations to Devin Booker. A huge, huge performance and a great beacon of hope for Suns fans who have, uh, suffered through inept coaching, piss poor performances like the one in the last game where they got dismantled by 30 points by the Nets. They still got beaten pretty handily by the Celtics, but that is obviously a very, very big performance. Let's talk waiver wire line of the night, and it's Jan Mahinmi of the Washington Wizards. Mahinmi had 16 and 7, and he acquired four steals and one block. He has been a very, very decent source of steals this year. In only 17 minutes a game, he's getting a steal a game, and that might not sound like a lot, but he's had a couple of big ones. He had uh, a stretch back in early March where he had 11 steals in three games. He's gone six games here in a row without one, but these nice little bunches are, are pretty good, and he's clearly hurting much in Gorta. We've talked about Gorta plenty of times, and he needs to be asked out of your team. As for Mahinmi, he's really just a streaming option. He's um, more a 16-teamer, maybe a 14-teamer, but he's just not going to play enough minutes to come anywhere near a 12-team league sort of a value. But a huge night here. Just expect much, much less of him because the Wizards play again on Saturday, and we've seen this pattern. I don't know if the pattern will continue, but we've seen it multiple times. Minute split in the first game. Mahinmi goes way down in the second and Gortat gets his you know, high 20s in minutes. And that's what I do anticipate to happen on Saturday. But we don't know that for sure. That hasn't been confirmed. Let's talk dud of the night. Big Lou Williams. 
another stinker. Five points, two rebounds, two assists, two of eight shooting, one of two from the line. He's outside the top 130 since he was traded to Houston. His ass should be gone from your team. Get rid of him. There is no point in holding on to him. I mentioned that earlier this week. I mentioned it two weeks ago. Um, I had my doubts about him heading across to Houston. The first game with Houston made me look like an absolute knob because he went bananas, and since then, it has uh, it has backed up what I thought would happen, and I didn't actually think it would get as bad as it has. He's combined, combined for 12 points in the last two games. He shot horribly, and that will improve, but there's no reason to hold Lou. You just put him into that bucket of three-point streamers, maybe a points streamer as well, and, and he can be a real free-throw percentage influencer, although recently hasn't been the case, just 75% shooting over the last two weeks, and while that's not terrible... It's definitely not good, and it's not something that's swing that category for you. So for some reason, you're still holding Lou Williams. I think you should make that move, of course, if we're talking standard leagues here. Let's talk, well, let's get into the games now. Actually, is there any questions? Yes, there is one from Ethan, who is a, a frequent live listener. Um, Ethan, I'll talk about that a little bit later, that question that you've asked about Rashawn Holmes. I'll talk about that when we get into the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's now talk about these games in that extra bit of detail. The Brooklyn Nets and the Washington Wizards. Big win for the Wizards here. Let's start with the Nets, though. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson was a monster again, but still just 22 minutes just to continually piss me off. 19-7 and for Rondé, two assists and one steal, 69% shooting. Giggity! He's been great in the last bit, but... You, I can't rely upon this huge per minute level of production that he's putting up. I don't know about you, but I, I just can't see that happening at that level. I think he's good. I think he can be a very good fantasy player if he was getting 30 a night, but this level of production is not going to be sustainable. So don't get, um, don't get overly, uh, excited about that. Karis Levert, just the 18 minutes, 4-2-2. Two, and two. And this was another blowout for the Nets. They blew, blew out the Suns yesterday, got blown out by the Wizards. So we saw the minutes distributed fairly evenly. We've got KJ McDaniels getting plenty of run. 26 minutes, 10 and 2 with a steal and a block. People are still holding on to the KJ McDaniels hope. I, I don't buy it. I don't think he's good. And the last two games have enabled him to get that extra playing time without Sean Kilpatrick, without Joe Harris. Um, He's getting that extra run. I, I just don't see any reason to... There's no reason to speculative grab anyone at the moment, really. And... There's obviously no reason to do that with Shawnee. You'd need to be in a, not Shawnee with, uh, with KJ. You need to be in a 20 teamer for that to actually make any sense. Jeremy Lin only played 20 minutes, 14, 1 and 3. Back to back. There's no need for him to play minutes when they're getting spanked. Same with Brook Lopez, 22 minutes, 6 and 7. So it was definitely the worst sort of situation that you could have hoped for for the Nets. Just, you know, 20 point margins in both games. But the good thing is that Lynn played both of those. He'll be back in his high 20s for the next game that hopefully they keep competitive on Sunday and he should be owned in most situations as should Brooke, obviously. Spencer Dinwiddie, if you picked him up uh, after the fraudulent news that he'd be starting all season, you can get rid of him. Surely you would have already won one and three for Spencer in those 21 minutes. Let's talk Wizards. Johnny Wall was battling a migraine. He played through it 22 points in 24 minutes, four rebounds, nine assists and a steal. Continues to be great. Well, Brando Jennings, he was able to get some extra playing time with the game being a blowout. 18-3-9 for Geno. He had four triples in his 21 minutes, but obviously we're reading absolutely nothing into that. Boyan Bogdanovich had a good night, 2-17-7 in his 26, while Brattles Beal just dropped in 19 in 25. It was a turd from Markeith Morris, who had five in 20 minutes. Same for Otto Porter, who had five in 21. Now, I would say that you should consider dropping Markeith, but the Wizards do play on Saturday, so... You know, who is um who's going to be on your wire that's going to have a better chance of putting up numbers on Saturday? Now, if you need to drop someone, you've got an active spot on Sunday, then yeah, maybe that works for you after he plays Saturday. But with only ten games, sorry, with only five games on on Saturday, ten teams in action, I'm not sure you're going to find a better waiver wire option out there than Markeith Morris. So don't drop him out of spite. You can drop Marching Gortat in most situations, eight and nine in eighteen minutes. But as I touched on earlier. This is an opportunity for him to play 26 minutes. We've seen it as early as last week when on the second half of a back-to-back, Mihinmi goes to 15 minutes and Gortat goes to 27 and and can put up a double-double. So again, who is going to be on your wire that's better than Gortat for this situation? The answer is probably no one, but after that, get rid of him because he's going to be playing these limited minutes and being generally useless in majority of contests. 
The next game, the Denver Nuggets and the Indiana Pacers, a high-scoring affair, as it nearly always is when Denver's involved. Nikola Jokic had 30 points, 17 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, and a triple. And uh, yeah, he obviously was never coming close to being the monstrous line of the night or the young gun of the night. Another big performance, though, from the Joker. The Rooster was back 21-11 and 11 for Gallinari in 35 minutes, blocked two shots. He had 21 points, 21 points, and he hit two of 12 shots because he went to the line 18 times and hit 17, and that is a massive, massive free throw boost and an absolute hole in your field goal percentage. But you're aware that Gallinari is going to hurt your field goals, just probably probably not to that extreme. You wouldn't be expecting someone to go out there and shoot 17% while scoring 27 points. But, uh, but a decent night overall for the Rooster. Gaz Harris struggled a little here, 10-2-2 two two with two threes and two steals, but he still hit all his shots. Only took three of them, which is a, a real misappropriation of resources, I think. I think you've got to find a situation where he's taking more than three shots when it, it's literally the lowest on the team. Yeah, Farton Will Barton's taken 11 and Gaz is taking three. That's something that needs to be corrected. That can't... um. That can't continue. That's that's not a good allocation of shots. As for Barton, 24 minutes, 10, 4, and 2. With everyone back, he is gone. So is Mason Plumlee, who played 16 minutes and went 9 and 2. While Jameer Nelson just dished the six assists with six points in 33 minutes. Nelson is, is just a, an assist specialist, really, and far from a must-own. The Blue Arrow had just six points in his 17 minutes. Another solid game from Wilson Chandler, 24-4-2. He probably should be owned in all, in all situations. As for the Pacers, a nice, nice performance from Miles Turner. 20-4 with two steals and four blocks. And probably more importantly, he shot 56% from the field, something he'd been uh, been struggling with. Throughout the um the last month or so, good to see him bounce back there, and that's an indication for the for the Miles Turner's doubters as, as as to what he can do, and and I do think he's got a very nice fantasy future. Paulie George had twenty seven nine and three. He had three steals. He had a, a block and hit four triples. So a really efficient and good night there. Same as uh, same as Jeff Teague. My name is Jeff. Who had twenty one two and eight with two threes and two steals on fifty six percent shooting. So the Pacers shot 51% as a team in this game and still lost. That is that is pretty remarkable. With uh, little dog Glenn Robinson the third out, Monte Ellis got some extra playing time. 31 minutes for Monte, 17 and four with three threes. I wouldn't get too excited about that. I'd look at it as 14, 16 team league sort of a situation, but definitely not a, a must own. While uh, Lavoy Allen was a monster on the boards, I think he had seven offensive rebounds, had two blocks. Um, but that's more just for your offensive rebounding legs and don't get too excited there. Thaddeuce Young, six points in 30 minutes. Get rid of him. Stream him out. Get someone else in for Saturday. He's just been absolutely horrible since returning from that injury. The next game, Cleveland and Charlotte. LeBronald, 32-9-11 with a steal and two blocks, but he copped a uh, finger in the eye, a scratched cornea. So he's um he's a chance of not playing on Saturday. The uh the Cavs have got the Wizards on Saturday and LeBron is dealing with some eyeball problems. So we might not see him playing, but he was pretty bloody good here. 30 32 9 and 11 is great. Kyrie had 26 7 26 and 7 with four steals and Kevin Love who is still on a minutes restriction, apparently 26, played 29 and can play back to backs now. So he should be right to go for Saturday and should get these you know, just close to 30 minutes. He had 15 and 12 with four assists and uh, and getting back to where he needs to be. J.R. Smith played 31 minutes, had nine points, which all came from three. Specialist three streamer, that is all he is. Interestingly, Channing Fry was out of the rotation completely while Kyle Korver had eight points in 20 and Iman Shumpert had a pretty full line, seven, two and one with a steal and two blocks in his 25, but obviously... Shump is just a deeper league sort of a player. If LeBron is out, I imagine Corver gets more minutes back to the 27 sort of mark, and you're going to see a little bit more Dick Jefferson, who probably gets 27 or 28, but you know, neither of those are going to be priority ads. If you're adding anyone, it's probably going to be Corver, but that's just going to be for threes. For the Hornets, Kemba, 28-2-5 and five with five triples and two steals. A big night there. Same with Nicola Batum, who had 19-2-2 two and, two and three steals. Good numbers from those guys. With Michael Kidd-Gilchrist in foul trouble, he lasted just 18 minutes and had four and four. That enabled Marco Bellinelli to play some more. 22-3-2 and two for Belly, and he got 32 minutes. Hit three threes. Really good night. Just don't expect it to continue. Cody Zeller had a big double-double as well. 15-11 and 11 with two blocks on perfect six-of-six six shooting. 
in 32 minutes for Zeller. Horrible free throw shooting, but he continues to just go up and down with his production, and, and he's far from a must-own guy, but you know I like him a lot. Marvin Williams, 11 and 11, while Frank the Tank was disgusting. Zero points in 26 minutes for Kaminsky. Eight boards and two assists. He'll be better than that, but I don't think that he is a must-own guy. Detroit and Orlando. Um, yeah, um, oh. I spoke about the Pistons and the Ish Smith situation yesterday. I think it was yesterday about them yeah, making that move in the last game against the Bulls and it not exactly being successful. Well, it was less successful here that the Pistons have now played two games with Ish Smith as the starting point guard in this latest era. Yes, he started at the start of the year before Jackson was back. They are minus 50 points in those two games. And the teams they played were the Orlando Magic and a Chicago Bulls team that just got blown out by the Philadelphia 76ers. I've said this plenty of times. Reggie Jackson is struggling, but he is not worse than Ishmith. Ishmith is not a starting point guard on an NBA team that thinks they're a playoff team. He is not that good of a player. I understand that probably something needed to be done, but he should else. And the Pistons are in absolute disarray. As for Ish, he had six and three, no assists, and the reason you own him was for assists and steals, and he got none of them. If you're still looking for those numbers, then then he's still a, a decent hold, but it hasn't worked. This move, not only has it not worked, it's made things a hundred times worse. Reggie Jackson had 11, four, and three. That's a solid night, but it's not enough for me to suggest that he's going to be a a, a must-hold sort of guy with uh with those sort of minutes. Anyway, Toby Harris had 11 points while the tackle box, John Lua, had 16 and 8 in 28 minutes. A nice game from Lua, but nothing for me to care too much about. This was just an absolute smashing. So we had Andre Drummond playing 20 minutes, 6 and 14, and K- KCP was uh, horrible. 2 of 11 for 8 points in his 21 minutes. Just disgusting. If you still own Marcus Morris, forget that. No way. Just get rid of him. There's no way he should be a standard league guy. Well, KCP, if you need someone to play on Saturday, get rid of him. I wouldn't have any issue with dropping KCP to get some games in. You're in playoff time now. You've got to make a move for someone who puts in one good game out of every six. If you need to piss him off, piss him off. Onto the Magic, they didn't need to extend themselves because it was a clear smashing. Terry Ross only played 21 minutes, and he had 18-4 and four with five triples of steal and a block. Really a good steals and threes. Streamable player, Nikola Vucevic, 16-8-6, and six, and that's 14 assists in the last two games for Vuce, really picking it up. And that's something we heard him talk about over the preseason, about his passing ability, and he's, he's bringing it. He is passing extremely well. As a Gordon, 16-4, and four, a nice bounce back for him, while uh, Evan Fournier scored 15 points on 60% shooting. Lord Alfred Payton, how's he going with those March triple doubles? Just another one here, 14-11-10, and 10, and really showing that you know, he can be a starting point guard, I believe. In the NBA, Mario Hazonia played the backup four again with Jeffy Green out. Six, four, and six for Mario. Has this guy ever had a good game? Um, I, I, I know he's young. I know it's his second season, but shit. He has got a very long way to go. A very long way to go. Let's talk about the uh, big game of the night, Phoenix and Boston. And by big, I mean the game with the ludicrous stat line in it. Devin Booker had 45 minutes to get those numbers. Tyler Eulis, what a weird night for him. 34 minutes, three points on four shots, two rebounds, four assists, and two steals. He is absolutely killing you at the moment. I still think that you know, anyone who's getting close to 40 minutes a night, you probably want to hold on to, but he's struggling. He's struggling in a big way. I've mentioned how much I like him, but I don't think that he's a starting point guard. I still absolutely abhor the Eric Bledsoe decision. Um, I would like to see Bledsoe and Booker work together. Because Eulis and Booker are not going to be a starting point guard of the a starting backcourt of the future, I don't believe. I think that Eulis is a great twenty minute a night guy. He's not a forty minute a night guy, and he's really struggling. So if your field goal percentage is in danger, maybe he's not the guy for you because he's he's absolutely killing it. Big Sauce bounced back with nine and fourteen in twenty four minutes, but still the shots just aren't falling for him. That needs to change. I think it will, but but it hasn't been great. While well, Alex Len blocked another two shots and had eleven and six in twenty six minutes, you need blocks. Len can provide it, but I still don't feel confident in saying he's a must own guy. Interestingly to me, that the Suns have shut down Tyson Chandler and Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe, but they give more minutes to Jared Dudley than he's played all season. He was out of the rotation, and they brought him back in when they rested all the veterans. 
Six, four, and 10 for Dudders in his 28 minutes. Nice performance, but he's a deeper league guy. While Leandro Barbosa had 11 and five, another 30 year old who's getting more minutes now than what he did at the start of the season. And Derek Jones Jr. had seven and four in his 32. TJ Warren missed another game. If you need to get games in and you're in a, I mean, there's two days left in the week. If you're in a shit situation, you need, you move, you need to drop him. Like, if you risk him missing another game, you, you need to move on. I wouldn't recommend it in every situation, but it is absolutely something you need to consider. Just after I spoke about Marquise Chris yesterday, uh, he's starting to figure it out. He's staying on the court. Yes, the fouls were like five every game. He got himself into crazy foul trouble. Five fouls in 21 minutes and had three and six. Shot one of 10 from the field. And this is the, um, this is the Marquise Chris that, that, um, yeah, that I, that I have my doubts about. Still think that you need to own him, but that is not a good performance, clearly. Let's talk about the Celtics. Isaiah Thomas had a, a pretty easy go of it. 34 points on 50% shooting with seven assists, while Al Horford, 15, 10, and six with two steals in a game that they won pretty comfortably in the end. Gerald Green got hot. He scored 15 points. Um, he had four triples in 13 minutes. Not a lot else happening there for Gerald, while Jay Crowder had a nice... Double-double in only 27 minutes. 13 and 10 for him in 27. With Avery Bradley out ill, Jalen Brown started, and he had 9 and 7 in 25, while Marcus Smart, just another... There were so many horrific shooting nights uh, on Friday. Marcus Smart went 1 of 13, but honestly, if you're earning Marcus Smart, you're already conceding that category pretty much. He still had 9, 3, and 6 with two steals, but that is a horrific, a horrific shooting performance. My boy Kelly Olenek... 30 minutes in the last game. So what does that mean now? Of course, it has to mean under 20 because that's the Brad Stevens laws, rules of engagement. Kelly plays 30, has to be under 20. And he played well, 13 and 4 on 57% shooting, two assists. Just never, never seems to get consistent minutes. And it's going to be a continual source of frustration for me. I'm, I'm pretty much aware of that. Amir Johnson had a great defensive night. Three threes. Sorry, not three threes. He wishes he had three threes. Three steals and three blocks for Amir, but really he is a, a hit and hope sort of um, extreme option. If, you, if you're hoping for that, then you're probably barking up the wrong tree on most nights. Question from MJ Advento. Who do you prefer for head-to-head points? I prefer that you don't play head-to-head points to begin with. Who do you prefer for head-to-head points? Cantor or Marvin Williams? I have no idea. And whenever, whenever you're ever going to ask me a head-to-head points question, I don't know because I don't know what your scoring system is. It could be completely different. It could be default ESPN, Yahoo. It could be default CBS. It could be some wild and wonderful scoring system you've got, which changes things completely. Head-to-head points. Look at what they average. What have they averaged for the season, the last month, the last week, the last two weeks? Have a look at their game log. I don't know this stuff. I don't know how they actually score in, in your league. So it is very hard unless you're giving me some numbers with some reference points for me to say, yeah, definitely have Cantor over Marvin Williams. MJ, I just don't. I, I, I can't do it. It's impossible for me to do it without knowing scoring systems because you, know, you might get a, a 10-point bonus for a double-double and then Ennis Cantor clearly wins. You might get you know, bonuses for blocks. You might get five points a block, and then Marvin Williams clearly wins. So I've got no idea. I, I I only use that question just to highlight the the difficulty it is in terms of being able to provide information for points leagues when everything differs so much. Let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. Dennis Schroeder was back in business against a pretty hard um Pretty hard matchup against the Bucks. 28-7-7, seven and seven, a steal, a block, and three triples. Another good night from him. While Timmy Hardaway played 40 minutes, had 25 points, four assists, three triples, and a block. A big night there. I think that Tim should be owned in pretty much all 12-team leagues at the moment. Dwighty Howard had 20-12 and 12 as well. And he's getting those field goal attempts back up now that Paul Millsap is out. But I expect that to dip a little when Paulie returns. Ersan Ilyasova got the extra run here. 33 minutes, 9-9. Nine and nine. He wasn't great. Um, there's nothing really to see there with Ursan, but his extra playing time limited what Tory and Prince could do. He had five points in 19, and we had to give 18 minutes of action to Mike Dunleavy, who scored two points. I, I can't believe that Mike Dunleavy is still in rotations. Tarbo had three and seven. Really, he is a streamer for points, or not shit, not for points, for steals and blocks, and that's that's really about it for him at this point. Onto the Bucks, Yanni was great. 34 and 13, five assists, two steals, and three blocks. Big night from Adedokumpo. While um, the Thon McCurr starting ridiculousness continued again. 10 minutes for Thon, two points, 
There is absolutely no... Jason Kidd is a dick. There is... And I know they're winning. They could be... I tell you, Jason Kidd's Mark Jackson. He's the team that wins and they win enough, but he misuses his players and, and talent and scheme. And when they get a proper coach in there, they could go through the roof. He's just bad. Greggy Munro, 14 and 10 in his 26 minutes, and there was no John Hansen, so Spencer Hawes stepped, stepped up and scored two points in 12 minutes. This was a good night from Brogo. 35 minutes for Malcolm Brogdon, 14, 3 and 7, but putting uh, faith in that, it's pretty tough given the given the way that Kidd has jerked his minutes up and down on a, a seemingly night-to-night basis, but you know, I'd definitely be owning him over, say, someone like Matthew Dellavedova. A pretty good night from Snelly as well, 13 with three triples in 32 minutes and two steals. He's a solid threes and steals type of streamer, but more realistically a 16-team league player. The Philadelphia 76ers and my Chicago Bulls. A big win to the Sixers, of course it was, because the Bulls are terrible. Dario Saric, 32-10 and 10 with two triples in 34 minutes. A big night for him, while TJ McConnell had a, a, a big performance as well. 10-5-8 with three steals. Good numbers from TJ. Obviously, he should be owned. Um, Timotei Lawawu Kabaru started, played just 18 minutes and had six points because Gerald Henderson came off the bench to play eight, 28 minutes. Now, I don't normally criticize Brett Brown all that much, but I, I don't really see the need to get Gerald Henderson in there for 28 minutes. He was a solid 14 and 5, Gerald, and he's hit his threes at a much better rate this season, but he's obviously just a, a deeper league sort of a player. Rashawn Holmes, the question earlier from uh, from Ethan was about Rashawn Holmes. He played 29 minutes and had 8 and 3 with a block. There was no Jaleel Okafor. It was not a good night from Holmes. The question that Ethan throws out is he's still a must-own. Must-own is a very non-specific term, and it's something that I say mainly because I'm trying to cater to yeah, a lot of people listening to this show. But it all comes down to your individual situation, Ethan what's your matchup looking like? How are you, how are you tracking? How do you need games in on Saturday? Do you need different stats to what Holmes might provide? Can, can you hold for Sunday? Look, in a general, if we were talking in January here, I'd say, yeah, hold on to Holmes because this is a down performance and he's put up a few big ones lately and his overall body of work over the last two, three weeks inputs him fairly and squarely inside the top 100. But at this point of the year, if you need to get rid of someone and he's your worst player, don't hesitate. Get rid of him, stream the guys in, and move on. Big performance from uh, from Sean Long. Yes, oh, Sean. 18 and 7 in 19 minutes for, for Longy. He had two steals and was 8 of 10 from the field. His per 36 numbers look impressive, but this was a, this is even better than what we could have expected. Uh, he got those extra minutes with Okafor out. I don't think we need to... Um, I don't think we need to pay a huge amount of attention to Longy, but in your 20-teamers, maybe if Oak happens to miss a few more games, then yeah, he is a, a real permanent producer, very similar to, say, what uh, Rashawn Holmes is. On to the Bulls. Um, yeah, Rajon Rondo was bad again. He's been bad for about three consecutive games, but you own him for assists and steals. He got five assists, he got four steals, so really hard to complain too much about that. Yeah, the four points is terrible. His on-court play is terrible. But those stats were fine, and I'm not sure. But look, this is the thing. Three times this year, the Bull starting point guard has gone from starting to DMPCD, and one of those was Rondo. Could it happen again? It's Hoiberg, so anything can happen at any time, no matter how little sense it makes. So with with Rondo, I still still think you should hold, but but we just have to wait and see. Michael Carter-Williams played more minutes. He had 9-1-1 one, and one in 23 with two blocks. No sign of Jaron Grant and campaign continues to toil in the D-League. Jim Butler had 36-7-11 with three steals. A, a subpar percentage night for Jim, but a, a nice counting stat night. While Bob Portis, who, who was having a pretty average game to start off and then got hot later on, 17-11 and 11 in 22 for Bob with two blocks, really efficient night from Portis, good stuff, you know, I hope he becomes a good player, I don't think he is one, and I don't have too, um, too much confidence in him, but yeah, this is a good night, he shouldn't be anywhere near your 12-teamers though, Nikola Miritich should be, 15-4-2 with four triples in 27 for Miritich, I, I think that he is a guy to own. While uh, Paulie Zipser had those couple of big games in a row and then went back to Paul Zipser. Two and three in 23 minutes for Zipsanity. Yeah, no, no reason to own him in 14 team leagues, to be honest. It's baffling to me that Robin Lopez can come back from his suspension and he'd been playing well and play 18 minutes and score one point and one rebound 
and go 0 of 6 from the field. That is a disgusting, disgusting performance from Robin. Yeah, nothing, nothing exciting there. It, much like I talked about with Holmesy, if you need the games, you can get rid of him. Uh, he's far from a 12-team league staple. Denzel Valentine got his minutes back, nine with three triples in 30 minutes. He could be a 12-team league guy. He's not at the moment, so he's just someone to keep an eye on. The next game, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Houston Rockets. Tone Davis, 33-16 and 16 with three steals and a block there. 58% shooting from the field for Tone. Yeah, really yeah, good numbers. Boogie was really limited. He barely played in the second and third quarters, ended up with just 30 minutes for the game, but still had 29, 6, and 4, hit five triples, and blocked four shots. That is still a great, great line from Cousins. 25 shot attempts and 40% shooting is, is not ideal, but those other numbers are ridiculously good. Drew Holiday also had a good night, so that's good to see. 18, 1, and 9 with three steals, two blocks, four triples, and importantly, 58% shooting, which has been his real bother lately. But it is something I think will turn around. Jordy Crawford had 12 points with two triples in 18 minutes, a very nice, hot shooter who can come off the bench and really assist you in those categories um, occasionally. Well, Timmy Frazier continues to start, and he went scoreless, added three assists. There's no reason to have him anywhere near your 12s, 14s, probably even 16-team leagues at the moment. Let's talk about the Rockets. Jim Harden, 38-7-17, five triples, two steals, one block. Brilliant percentages. It it required Devin Booker going bananas to, to snatch the uh, monstrous line of the night away from Jim, while Clint Capella played 29 and had 10-13 and 13 with two blocks. It's a pretty good night. I'm glad to see they gave him the extra minutes in this game. He should be playing these minutes every single night, and it just pisses me off that it doesn't happen. Ryan Anderson had 13-6 and six with three threes. He sprained his ankle, and Anderson said he heard a pop. That is never a good sound to hear at any point, but when you sprain an ankle, I don't really think you ever hear a pop. Do you? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever heard a pop when I've sprained my ankle. So that, to me, he said he's walking on it, but that, to me, suggests that, yeah, he's going to struggle to play in the next couple of games. You shouldn't be owning him anyway. Eric Gordon, 14-5-4 with two triples, while Pat Bev had a very good game, 17-6-2 with four threes on 55% shooting. He should have been dropped earlier in the week. Beverly, Gordon, Anderson, all those guys because of that three-game stretch where no, they weren't playing. But now go and add them again because they play again on Sunday and you might be able to get some use out of those players or if you're pre- preparing for next week. Let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers. This game went to overtime, and the Lakers won. They scored 130 points. The Suns lose. Um, again, the, the Lakers win that uh, battle for the two-seed. The reverse two-seed is getting interesting. The Timberwolves, as usual, just played every one of their main guys a shit ton of minutes. 43 minutes to Rubio, 19-3 and 15 with three steals. Carl Anthony Towns had 25-13 and four with a steal and two blocks. And Wigo had 36 and five, had a steal, a block, and he hit five triples, and he went 50% from the field. So a very, very good performance from Andrew Wiggins, the sort of thing that we wish he could do on a more consistent basis. But I think we might be... Uh, we might be dreaming there that that's going to happen consistently. Gorgie Jeng had 14 and 6 with a steal and three blocks. And Tom Thibodeau rolled out the three-point guard lineup. Rubio, Chris Dunn, and Tyus Jones for multiple stretches. In fact, we saw a lot of Chris Dunn in this game. He played 35 minutes. They opened overtime with the three-point guard lineup. Dunny had 11, 7, and 2, but really brought it defensively with three steals and two blocks. Field goal percentage was poor, but that's two games in a row with at least 24 minutes of playing time. I'm not saying that he's someone that we need to add in 12s or 14s, maybe in 16-team leagues, but but it is an encouraging sign for him. Tyus Jones had eight points in 22, while Brandon Rush started and was piss poor. Once again, two points in 14 minutes for Rushy. Onto the Lakers, Jordy Clarkson with a massive game, 47 minutes for 35 points, five assists and eight triples on 65% shooting. He should be owned everywhere, as should D'Angelo, who had 15-3 and six and two steals in 40 minutes. This was a good Julius Randle night, 23 and 12, two triples, a steal, and two blocks. Yeah, he's just as likely to go 6 4 and 1 in the next game, but you know, some good performances here. And Larry Nance, who'd been weirdly limited in the last couple of games, played 35 here, 13 7 and 5 with a steal. And the extra playing time for Nance meant that Ivica Zubats was limited. 21 minutes for Zubats, 7 3 and 3 and a steal. You need to move on, you move on. Simple. Two days left in the week, two days until you might be out of your league. Get rid of him. If you, you need someone Saturday, and he's not playing, move on, forget it. Brandon Ingram was not able to play in overtime, dealing with his um, 
sore knee, just the 30 minutes, 11 and 3. Based on what he's been doing, he is a fine 12-team league guy, but maybe we might find that he misses Sunday's game. Just drop him, if that's the case. If he's not going to play, there's no point in holding on to someone like that. We had seven Lakers players in double-digit scoring. A real offensive explosion, not, not a sentence I've associated with the Lakers too much this year. The Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors, the Kings' resting philosophy in full swing, it is really hard to do projections for minutes for the Kings. Yeah, you can look at it and go, you know, why is Papianis projected at 20 minutes or you know, 18 or 15 minutes? He's been playing 22 minutes. Why is Scal only at 20 minutes when he's been playing 27? Well, the reason is, is that every single game, there are three players out. But in terms of projecting it, I can't project who's going to be out each game. So I'm going in assuming that everyone is going to play, knowing full well that they won't. But you just don't know. So I can't just randomly assign zeros to Tolliver on one day, Kufos on this day, Collison this day, Laws. You can't do it. So the projections for it are really tough to get around because we just they're just resting guys randomly every day, every single day. And it's enabling these guys that on the short-term projections on basketball monster, it might be hard to get a full grasp of what they're going to do, but they're going to do it, if that makes any sense to anybody. Bud had one of his best games, 22-8-7 with two steals and four triples, a huge night from Heald. Yeah, that might be his best performance, but I think he's going to get 30-plus minutes here down the stretch, and he could he could be a, a usable player, more if you're looking for points and threes. I think those rebounds and assist numbers and even the steals are probably probably a little bit far-fetched to expect that. But it was huge. Ty Lawson went 8 of 9 from the field for 20 points in 24 minutes. Don't get sucked in. He's probably going to rest the next game. There's no need to own him. While Will Cauley-Stein had 12 and 4 in only 28 minutes. Scal played 27 and he had 10, 10 and 8 with 1 block. 8 assists for Scalabis here. That's a good night. I don't think that he is a must-own guy, but he's going to get... 23 to 28 minutes majority of the time. You're just Papianis, 6 and 4 in his 27 minutes. Really just an 18-teamer. While Costa Kufos and Aaron Aflalo started and played limited minutes, as it should be. Two, two points in 14 minutes for Costa and three points in 23 minutes for Big As. For the Golden State Warriors, Steph was great. 27, 7, and 12, 6 steals, 50% shooting. That's a vintage Steph Curry night, 5 triples as well. While Draymond had 23, 4, and 8 with 3 steals. Only one other player in double-digit scoring for the Warriors, and that was not Clay Thompson, who had an absolute stinker. 3 of 14 from the field, 8 points, 4 rebounds with a block in those 30 minutes. I talked about his inconsistency maybe being solved with Durant out. Maybe not. That's a terrible game. The only other player to get double digits was Ian Clark, who had 10 points in his 18 minutes. JaVale McGee had a season-high 10 boards in his 12 minutes, but there is not anything to really get excited about there while Pat McCaw started and played only the 16 minutes. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to transition into DFS mode, and we're going to talk about all five games for Saturday. Before we do that, if you are watching live, give us a thumbs up on Facebook. Give us some sort of reaction. Um, yeah, that'd be nice if you could do that. As we now head into the break, I will catch you guys soon. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. Perfect DFS on Fangel. These are some huge scores as well. Steph Curry, 62.4. Jordy Clarkson, 43.9. Devin Booker with 91.6. 
Yanni had 66.1. Jim Butler had 66.9. So that's four players over 60 points. Wigo had 47. Amir Johnson, 30.3. Bob Portis at 34.7. And Yan Mihinmi at 34.4 for a total of 477.1. There is absolutely no way anybody has that lineup. Anyone who had a lineup of Amir Johnson, Bobby Portis, and Yan Mihinmi, there's no way, no way. DraftKings, Brando Jennings, 37.25. Butler at 68.75. Yanni, 69.25. Shawnee Long at 31.25. Um, Mahinmi, 34.75. Booker at 96.5. LeBronald at 65.25. And Justin Hamilton snuck in there with 31.5 for a total of 435, and that cost $50,000. All right, let's get into these games now. There are five on a Saturday. Seems just like a, a weirdly low amount. Utah and the, I assume it's March Madness related. Maybe is that accurate? I think that's I think that's right. Utah and the Clippers. The Clippers are favored by four, and the total is two hundred and three point five points. Derek Favors is out for Utah. This dude just has had an absolute nightmare of a season. We don't know the status of Shelvin Mack, but it's not going to matter. Um, this is the first of a back to back for the Clippers. Their fourth game in the last six nights. I don't think there'll be any resting happening here, but there could be something happening on Sunday. So that's something to watch out for. Let's talk about this matchup. It's a shit one, but there are some there are some shitter ones on on the slate. At point guard, we're looking at George Hill at six thousand one hundred. There are very few good point guard options who are who are on this entire slate. So Hill's not a bad. He's not great, but he's not a bad guy to look at. In fact. Yeah, he has some value at 6,100. At least, you know, sneak his head past 30 points, and, and that gives you a little bit of value there. For Chrissy Paul, he is at 8,900 on FanDuel. The Jazz defense is probably something that I'll want to stay away from, just given that salary. But on DraftKings, he's at 7,800. That is really, really low. And he's got a good record there, 44-point average across the last three against Utah at 7,800. I'll back Chris Paul in to get pretty close to that despite the uh, despite the slow pace and despite the defense that the Jazz provides. Austin Rivers is a guy that you can take a punt on. He's 4,100 on FanDuel. He's at 34 on DraftKings, which is superb. And he's averaging over 21, po- sorry, 21 points over his last five, which at 3,400 is not too bad. It's definitely not brilliant, but... You need a buffer for the big price guys. You know, Austin Rivers could be that guy. And if this game gets out of hand, either way, with a back-to-back on deck, maybe he plays 30 and we see Chrissy Paul down at 26 or 27. Just to, to limit that playing time, that is definitely a scenario that, that could happen. Jamal Crawford at 3,700 is always just a GPP guy. Can go off at any time, can be terrible at any time. On both sides, he is fine to use in that role. Same with JJ Redick, but I just think that Crawford is a superior, higher upside guy at lower price majority of the time. Rocket Rodney Hood at 3,700 is not going to play enough, nor is Alec Burks. At small forward, Joe Johnson, we don't know if he'll start or if it'll be big bad Boris Diaw. 3,800 for Joe. Yeah, maybe. He had 20 in the last one. His upside's not high, and he doesn't have a great floor, so I'm not fully into it, but I can I can understand the merits of it. He's, uh, he's much more expensive on DraftKings, so there's less interest there. Gordy Haywood, at 7,800, that price has come down quite a bit on FanDuel. So I'm I'm pretty interested in that. He's at 76 on DraftKings. Yeah, got some definite value there for Haywood on both sides. I don't think we need to worry about Jingle and Joe Ingles too much. At Power Forward, who we got? Blakey Griffin, 8,800, has been nowhere near it, averaging under 33 across his last five when he needs to be pushing 45 at that sort of a salary. And he is not there. Now he gets the, the nightmare matchup that is the Jazz front court. On DraftKings at 7,500, it makes you more interested. He's averaging 35 with DraftKings scoring in the last five games, and he has a, an above-average record against the Jazz. So I, I would um, I would consider it over there, probably more look at him as a GPP guy, but I wouldn't feel too scared to use him in cash just given that much lower salary that he sits at on DraftKings. At center, I love Rudy Gobert here, 8,700. He's averaging 51 over the last three. Um, DeAndre Jordan hasn't been a massive negative player for opposition centers, and I've got no issue using Rude here. He's at 8,000 bucks. DeAndre Jordan is at 7,800 against Gobert. That may be a little bit high, but it's 6,300 on drafting, stupidly low. And yes, the Gobert factor is real, and I didn't even mean to make that pun, but, but it is real. But at 6,300, it can be as real as it wants. He's averaging 40 points across his last five, and even if he gets 35, then that's 
that's that's nice value at six thousand three hundred. So love that price for DeAndre over on DraftKings. It shows what a difference a price can make. That's a fifteen hundred dollar price difference. It takes DeAndre from being a probably not to a yeah sure let, let's go for it. There's some uh, some significant value there. Um, next game, let's move on. We've got the Washington Wizards and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The status of LeBron James is up in the air, so there's no spread out for this game because LeBron said after the game, you know, I don't know how my eye is going to be. He said something along the lines of, I paraphrase, if coach decides to rest me, or to, sorry, if coach decides not to play me, it won't because of rest. It's because I'm banged up. So, you know, sort of sowing the seeds already there. So a massive, massive chance to me that LeBron does not play in this game. I think that Kyrie and Love will. And that should boost their usage, especially Kyrie, if Love's going to be limited to under 30 minutes. So that is something to pay attention to. At point guard, Johnny Wall is at 9,500. A really big price decrease. He should be right to go. He was sick for today's game but with a migraine, but, but he played and scored almost 40. I think you should be looking at another 40 here for John. And he should be um, yeah, he should be well into the discussion of, of a player that you use on both FanDuel and DraftKings. As for Kyrie... I'd probably steer clear of him if LeBron plays. If LeBron is out, 9,100 for Kyrie makes a really solid option. Yes, the John Wall defense can be a factor, but Kyrie's usage is going to go through the roof, and he's got 60-point upside, so that makes him a very, very good GPP guy without being a, uh, a, a solid cash option. If LeBron is out, then Dick Jefferson and Kyle Korver get a bump, but not enough for me to really consider them you know, seriously as uh, as GPP options or any sort of DFS options, really. At shooting guard, Brattles Beals at $8,000. I like him here. I'm not totally into him in cash. I think it's probably, well, no, I think it's a lot high for cash. But his GP penis is right there at 8000 He can go for 50 It's a long shot, but he can do it, and that's what you're looking for in a GPP. And shout out to uh, the person who told me that my uh, ratio of saying GP penis was at 66%, and I needed to get it up to 675%. So there you go. That one's for you. Get that ratio up there. At shooting guard, Junior Smythe at 3,600. No, Kyle Corbin, no. I already said that one. LeBronald, I like LeBron if he plays. At 10,900, oh, I think he's going to smash smash that smash that, and really get to 55 points. Oh, he's got a real chance to get to 55, so I like him there. Otto Porter, I'm not interested in. He still continues to be way too highly priced given his recent output. He has not been around that number for a long time. While Boyan Bogdanovich is under 4,000, that is great value. But I don't really want it in cash because of his uh, uncertainty. But he's a great GPP guy. He dropped 30 today, and that's fantastic at 3,800. Really, really smashed through that. But, yeah, it's not something that's going to happen all the time, of course. A power forward, Kevin Love, is at 7,600. If LeBron's out, yeah, that might, might that might be a little bit high, but I don't think it's outrageous. And at 73 on DraftKings, it's, it's fine. Yeah, if LeBron is out, if he's in, I'm not. I'm not quite sure I'd go there. Mark Keith is at six thousand. He has really, really struggled, averaging under twenty over the last five. A big game could be just around the corner, and he's a fifty-seven hundred dollar price guy on DraftKings. But it's uh, it's not um, it's not screaming out value to me now. Jeff Padre says, "What is a GPP?" Once again, it is a guaranteed prize pool meaning it's a DFS tournament where the prize pool is set and it's not dependent on the number of entrants. It's a it's a contest that pays normally the top 17 to 18% of contributors uh, on a sliding scale from first down to whatever value. It doesn't pay the top 50%. It doesn't have a fixed payment. The, 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 pay, the payment numbers, you know, first is way more than second. You play a cash game, first, second, third, hundredth, all get the same. GPP, very, very pointy. So that is what a GPP is, a guaranteed prize pool. Centers, Tristan Thompson, no. Marching Gortat, horrible. But at 4,300 on DraftKings with what I expect to be the game where he gets extra minutes, yeah, go. 4,300, love it. Love the GPP-ness of that. That was unintentional. Really think he can do it. If that pattern that Brooks has been displaying continues, we don't know that it will. But I've got a fear, and that's why you wouldn't use him in cash, of course, no way. But in that tournament setting, you would. And I don't reckon his owner should be pretty high, given how putrid he's been recently. But this is a good opportunity to uh, to try and swing that back in your favor. A lot of people might jump on Jan Mahimi, who had 35 points today at minimum salary. Obviously, ridiculously good. But again, I do worry. Now, you could easily throw him in 
to a tournament lineup at that minimum salary and go, yeah, let's do it again. But I just think the odds of it are, are happening are, are pretty low given everything I've mentioned about that situation based on my observations. Let's go on to the next game. This is putrid. T- Toronto and Dallas, There it is a pick and the total is 195. JJ Barea should be right to go after being ejected in that last game. I don't think there's any real danger that he gets suspended, but it is something for us to pay attention to. Obviously, the starting lineup of the Mavericks is going to be something that we need to pay attention to as well as the last game. They benched Yogi Ferrell to get Nerlens Noel in there and keep Steph Curry, not Steph, to keep Seth Curry at point guard. I think that's what they'll do here. Also, Serge Barker returns from his one-game suspension for grazing Robin Lopez's ear with his right hand. At point guard, Corey Joseph is at 4,800. That is just too high for a guy whose ceiling is so limited. No cash value, no upside. Nothing to really get me all that interested there. For Big Corey, as for J.J. Barea at 3,900, he's got upside, no doubt about that. He can have a 30-pointer, no no worries, but we're obviously only looking at that as a GPP type of situation. Um, Yogi Ferrell, yeah, nah, mate, 4,500 for Yogi. If he remains on the bench, no. He's down to 39 on DraftKings, so maybe if they swing the switch and put him back starting, you'd, you'd take a punt and you'd have a look at him at 39, but I just don't see it happening. Wesley Matthews continues to be overpriced, or Seth Curry is at 5,300. I like Seth at 53. Worked well as a point guard, shot well. Let's hope that can continue. I like him at 5,300. That's not a high price. 52 on DraftKings. Decent. You have to love DeMar DeRozan. There aren't many high price options on the slate. Now, at 9,200 is expensive, but he's been absolutely killing at the last two games. Dropped 53 in the last game, 64 the game before that. And you know, 9,200, that's easily exceeding value. You know, this matchup shit, the pace is slow. Nothing is great about it, but I mean, you you might you might have cash left over. So you throw DeMar in there in your GPP and you hope that he goes for 60 because he's obviously got a real chance of it. He's averaging 50 on DraftKings over his last three games. At small forward, the pencil Harrison Barnes, 5,600. Got back on track a little bit in the next game. I think in the last game, I think there's value here for him though. I reckon he's a pretty good play. Damari Carroll and PJ Tucker are the opposites of pretty good plays. At power forward, Serge is back. He's at 5,700. I think that he's a GPP option there, but if we look at him on DraftKings, I'm much happier. 5,500 for Serge. I think you're talking a potential 30-point output here. Probably wouldn't really rush to lock him into uh, my cash lineups. But I reckon at 5,500, that's super appealing for any of your tournament situations. Dirk is at 6,000. I don't see the upside for Dirk at 6,000. Oh, he's not dropping 40. Um, I, I don't, and I don't see him having a, an altogether solid floor. So that makes him a very hard option to use at the moment. At center, Nerlens Noel at 5,900. If he is starting, which we assume, then I like that at that price. At 5,000 on DraftKings, I like it a lot. That is almost a core sort of play for me over there. Jonas Valanciunas, no thanks. The minutes aren't there. No, it's not happening. Um, Same on DraftKings. I have no interest in Jonas Valanciunas. Let's move on now to the next game of the night. And we've got the New York Knicks and the San Antonio Spurs. There is no spread here because we do not know whether Derrick Rose is playing, whether Lance Thomas is playing, whether Carmelo Anthony is playing. I'm sure that Vegas is holding off based on the status of Lance Thomas, so we need to check on him to see whether where where things sit. But this could be an absolute nightmare. It's going to be real tough to uh, to use a lot of these guys in cash, just given the fact that if the Knicks don't play these players, then, uh, yeah, it's going to get ugly. Pop's going to pull guys early. It's going to be disastrous. I think that Rose is done. I don't think, well, not done. I think he doesn't play this game. I think that Lance does, and I think that Mallow does. I think that Rose is out, though. That is purely speculation. If Derek is out, it's going to be rugged Ronnie Baker, and it's going to be Chase and Randall. Randall outperforms Baker, but neither of them are going to play 32 and really take control, I don't believe, anyway. At point guard, if you want to go cheap and hope someone goes off, Tone Park is the guy to look at. He's at 4,100. He had a 26er in the last game. He can be shit. There's no doubt about that. But I feel pretty good about him at least getting close to 20 and with the ability to go for 29 or 30 if he has one of those weird games where he gets 17 and 8 in 20 minutes, which he's done quite a few times this year, weirdly enough. Pat Mills at 4,400. I don't really see the upside there in that. Derek Rose, forget that. Even if he plays, not a chance. 
rugged Ronnie Baker's at minimum salary. You'd always consider a starter at minimum into a, into a tournament, but I wouldn't feel great about it. And Chasen Randall has minimal value, I think, at point and not point guard at shooting guard. Justin Hamilton is a minimum salary player. They went with more Mindagos Kuzminskis in the last game. But Holiday can turn in these big games, so he would, if you're getting these players ruled out, then Holiday comes into consideration. Absolutely no doubt in my mind. Manu and Danny Green, I just don't, don't like that. While Courtney Lee at 4,500, no, it's too high for Courtney. He needs to be a 3,800 guy for me to really care, um, given his, uh, limited level of production. Small forward, Kawhi is at 9,100. I, I would love to say use Kawhi, but, these numbers have been subpar, averaging under 31 in the last three, and there's a risk of him playing 28 minutes in this game. So this tournament upside, if for some reason the Knicks can keep it uh, close, then there's tournament upside, and he's destroyed them in the past. At 9,100, it's a great price, but in cash, you know, the the um, security of it is not there. As for Mallow, I wouldn't be using him or Lance Thomas if they play Mindaugas Kuzminskis, the guy you've got to look at. He's the guy you've got to look at if both Thomas and Mallow are out. At 4000 bucks. he had 27 in the last game, and he becomes a very, very good option. He's 35 on DraftKings, a lot to like there. LaMarcus Aldridge is on fire. He's at 7300 The same concerns I have with Kawhi there, except you're paying 2000 less, so less, less, 2000 less concerns, I guess. He's averaging 37 over the last five, and I feel pretty good about him. Even in, say, 29 minutes, being able to beat that in 69 on DraftKings, he's got a pretty decent chance of exceeding his value over there as well. Porzingis is at 6,700. If Mallow is out, I'm okay with using Porzingis. Same as Derek Rose. If he is out, look, he's averaging 36 across the last three, 35 across the last five. Good record against San Antonio. I think he's solid for cash and for tournaments, If uh, especially if, those, if Mallow... And, uh, and Rose happened to be out. Pau Gasol, no thanks. Dwayne Dedman, no thanks. Billy Hernan Gomez at 51. Eh, who knows? Who knows what minutes are going to be there? You cannot trust it in cash. You cannot go near it in cash, I don't think. But in tournaments, he does have a little bit of upside, especially when he comes in at 4,300 on DraftKings. There is a lot to like at that $4,300 mark where he sits on DraftKings. We've got one game to go here, and it's all of a sudden absolutely pissing down with rain here on a uh, Saturday afternoon slash evening out of nowhere that rain's come so it is uh it is always distracting when i hear the uh the rain on the skylight here above me it just sounds so loud and i just keep thinking that all you can hear is rain but obviously you can't because my voice is um incisive minnesota at portland is the last game of the night the blazers are favored by six and the total is 216 points let's talk point guards ravishing rick rubio 7400 another good game from him today but again, it just continually feels too high. But on a on a limited slate day, no problem with considering Rick there. We've got uh, Dame Lillard on the other side who has been fantastic, really. If we look at what he's been doing recently, it's been brilliant. But 9600 is still somewhat of a risky price tag for Lillard. And I'm not fully on board with locking him in. He's definitely not a lock-in cash guy, but he does have some cash usability. But I would tend to leave him more as a as a GPP guy, just given what we've uh, seen from him over the course of the season, as opposed to the last month. CJ McCollum at 6900 I like him at that price. He's done well against Minnesota in the past. 72 on DraftKings, absolutely no problem with that. Probably should have touched on a guy like Chrissy Dunn, who's at minimum salary, had a, a pretty good game. Um, yeah, I'd absolutely throw him into a tournament, just in case they go down that route again. We don't know that, but there's a definite possibility of that. We're not using Brandon Rush, and we're not using Alan Crabb. At small forward, Mo Harkless, we can forget that as well. Wigo is at 7000 bucks. He had a very good game today. This is a good matchup for Wigo, but the big minutes on a back-to-back traveling is something of a worry. Definitely don't want to use him in cash, but um, I would consider him something of a, of a tournament play. Well, Shabazz Muhammad was useless today, but he's at 4000 bucks. I feel pretty good about him bouncing back and being able to put up some uh, some pretty decent numbers at 48 on DraftKings. I'm definitely not as interested. I actually like Shabazz quite a lot here in this spot to at least give me 22 or 23 despite his uh, failings today. At power forward, Gorgie Jengs at 5,000. A nice bounce back game from him as well. This is a good matchup for him, so I, I like that. When same as Noel Vonley at 3,800. He has been rock solid, 20 plus points a night, and I think you should be I think you should be using him, which is a weird sentence for me to say, but. In a cash game at 3,800, if you want to put Lillard in, if you want to put Townsie in, you have Vonley at 3,800. 
He just gets you 22, 23, plays you 30 minutes, and it's seemingly working out, and I'm as confused as you. At center, Carl Anthony Towns is at 10,400. On a busy day, I wouldn't say it's the best option, but on a shit five-game slate, sure. You get your 48 points out of it. It's going to be a lowish scoring sort of night unless someone else comes out and drops 60. Maybe it's time for Shabazz Napier to do that. I think you like Towns at 10,400. Yusuf Nurkic at 60-70 is very good value as well, especially with a significant price drop on Fangio. He's at 74 on DraftKings, so less interested, but still pretty bloody interested. All right, let's talk picks of the day before we wrap this up and get out of here. Over on Fangio, Tone Parker, 41. Georgie Hill, 61. And Johnny Wall, 95. At shooting guard, Jamal at 3,700. CJ's at 69. And Brad Beal is at 8,000. At small forward, Shabazz Muhammad, 4,000. The Pencils at 56. And LeBron at 10,9. At power forward, Noel Vonley, 38. LaMarcus Aldridge, 73. And at center, Nerlens Noel, 59. And Rudy Gobert, 8,700. On DraftKings, Austin Rivers, 34. Chrissy Paul, 78. And John Wall, 97. At shooting guard, Jamal's at 33, Seth Curry's at 52, and Damar is at 87. At small forward, Mindagos Kuzminskis at 35. That is a, a mellow out type situation. Gordy Haywood, 76, and LeBron at 10-4. At power forward, Noah Vonley, 41, Serge Ibaka, 55, and Townsies at 10-7. And at center, Noel, 5,000, DeAndre Jordan, 6,300, and Rudy Gobert, 8,000. The Aussie sites, for some reason, slates went up when I, when I got ready to do this show. There was no slate available, so I can't do any picks. Hopefully that will uh, adjust itself pretty soon. We're done. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and subscribe to this podcast on YouTube, like the page on Facebook, do it on via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and tune in and leave a review. It helps the show enormously. I'm going to have a, a new sponsor coming in soon, thanks to all the downloads and listens and reviews. So that's going to be good news. It'll start in a week or two. That's, uh, that's always very helpful. So I do thanks, er, thank everybody for doing that. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Isaiah Thomas.